was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, referring to the Old Testament, we might have hope. And likewise, Peter goes on to tell us that we have been born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is how I want to approach this text this morning, through that point of the hope that is in the New Testament, or rather in the Old Testament, and specifically Daniel 6. See, throughout the study, we've been reminding ourselves that Israel was captured because they had ignored God's law. And they had begun to conform to the surrounding world, the surrounding culture. They had disobeyed God. They had walked away from him. And today, that same temptation is for us as the children of God to ignore God's law and to conform to the surrounding culture. See, so that we are tempted to put our trust and our hope in every other thing. You see, here we are introduced to a new kingdom and a new empire. We've become familiar with Nebuchadnezzar all through chapter 1 and chapter, to chapter 3. And chapter 5 ends with a statement. That very night, Belshazzar, who had succeeded Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom from him. You see, the Babylonian kingdom had ended. It was defeated. As Daniel had said in his dream, in, in, in revealing the, the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, that kingdom was not forever. That kingdom of gold, with all its beauty and elegance, has been defeated by another, by a less inferior kingdom. And right before the eyes of these exiles, God's word was coming to pass. Right in exile there, God's word was coming to pass. And that should be a source of hope for them on that day, on that occasion. And that should be a source of hope for us today. That all God says is true. And all he says is perfect. That his word is sure, and whatever he says will come to pass. God's word will always accomplish its purpose. You see, the Bible is not for us to ignore or to toil with as we might want to, or to use to control people, or to come up with all sorts of things that we might wish. Rather, it is God's true and living word. And he spoke it to the people who first received it. And it still speaks to us today. See, just as Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words would not pass away. So no matter how long it takes or no matter how short it takes, God's word will come to pass. 
See, Daniel was someone who had trusted in God and his law. And here in chapter 6, his life is threatened because of that. He's threatened with a death punishment by his enemies. He received a death sentence for obeying God's law. But at the end, he's miraculously saved by God. As we look at this story, there are three words that would keep on appearing. So we might just have that in mind. Law, enemy, and death. See, as Darius receives this kingdom from the Babylonians, he does what every new ruler will want to do. Set up people who would help him manage the kingdom. And that's what he does. He appoints about 120 satraps and three others who would manage these satraps. They're called high officials here or referred to as presidents to ensure that he's not defrauded and his interest is protected. And Daniel was one of those three high officials. And going back to chapter 1, when Daniel was captured, he was possibly around 15 years of age. But now about 65 years has passed. And he is in his early 80s. Daniel is an old man. But you see, not much has changed about Daniel. Because here he's described as being distinguished. He's described as having an excellent spirit. Daniel is in a different kingdom. He is old. But not much has changed about him. So when he and his friends stood before Nebuchadnezzar, they were recognized. The king recognized them as ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters of their day. And here, here is a new king. And the king is planning to set Daniel over the whole kingdom. Because Daniel is still the same Daniel. So I know many of us here this morning, we were young relative to Daniel. But none of us grows younger. Yes, age brings with it different privileges and blessings. And his challenges. But just as Daniel was faithful through all these years, we too can. You see, even in the face of strong opposition, if you are trusting in Christ, you can hold fast to the confession of your hope without shaking or failing. All through the years. Why? Because the same Christ who has promised is faithful. So Daniel's faithfulness doesn't come from him. It comes from the God that Daniel knew and worshipped and served. But this faithfulness on Daniel's part does not endear him to the people. It doesn't really help him to sort of win friends and influence people. 
Rather, it creates enemies and opposition for him. And all other officials who have recognized, just like the king, that Daniel was different. Or maybe he didn't allow them to forge the account. Maybe whenever they wanted to do something wrong, Daniel said, no. We have to do what is right. The king has appointed us. Or maybe because he was just a foreigner and they didn't like him. And so they did what every politician would do. Think about during elections. You have your opponents. What do you do? Search for debts. Whatever would bring him down. And that's exactly what they tried to do. But they found none. Because Daniel was faithful, faultless, and blameless in his work. They couldn't find any ground for accusing Daniel. But you would think these guys would give up. They don't give up. And they finally find something to hold him up, to accuse him of. In that verse 7, it says, We shall not find any ground, or rather, verse 5, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless in connection with the law of his God. So the law of God that Daniel was faithful to now became the ground for accusing him. And when they failed to find any weakness in him, they come together to set up a new law. So there is God's law, which Daniel is faithful to, And they are about to set up a new law to hold Daniel down. And they go for something that you could you would ask yourself, what is this the best they could do? They agreed that they will go to the king and tell him, Well, nobody should make any petition or prayers to any God or any man just for 30 days. And you, as you can imagine, when they come to the king, that might sound so flattering to him. You can imagine them standing before the king and, and thinking, well, and him thinking, well, I could be a deity for 30 days. That's really good. Just for 30 days, no one should pray to anyone but the king. And this law would never be changed. It cannot be revoked. And anyone who disobeys it, his fate is sealed. He will be cast into the den of lions. The punishment is death. You should think about that. For Daniel, who is, whose desire is to be faithful to the law of God, he now faces a direct clash between the law of God and the law of the land. 
So what happens when there is a conflict between God's law and the law of the land? Or maybe just for 30 days. See, there are, there are believers all around the world who are barred from worshipping together. And if they are caught, what is the punishment? Prison or death? Maybe we are not there today. But many of us, our desire is to get to the West, Right? But as the things are going now, someday you'll be in a place where the clash is obeying God, obeying the government. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the West. That's not what I'm saying. But we should recognize that it is very possible. See, but Daniel knew for sure that there was a law higher than any human law. Man-made law or government law. He goes on with his life. He, he, he does things as he has always done. In verse 10, he prays towards Jerusalem. I'm not going to focus on what that is, um, but we can talk about that on Zoom this evening if anyone has a question around that. But Daniel continues to pray, as he has always done. He disobeys this new law. But in chapter 9, we have an idea of of what Daniel's prayers looked like. It's so there he, in verse 3 of that chapter 9, says, I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. And there Daniel is confessing what Israel had actually done, that he had sinned against God, they had broken God's law. They had walked away from his will and his decree. Israel was not keeping God's law. And possibly as he turned towards Jerusalem, his prayer was that someday as God had said that Jerusalem will be restored. It says in verse 9, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. So let's, let's look at this on, and in, on a personal level. See, at the beginning of, of every year, many of us come up with New Year resolutions. Okay, there are those personal rules, those things you want to do. You end up not doing most of them, if not all. There are laws in the land that many people disobey and break. Now think about God's law. 
Do you faithfully keep it to the last? Now, I mention this because many times when we have, when I have conversations with um, many, of, many people who would say they are Christians, and you ask them, how do you know you are a believer? I tell you, well, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to be, to be moral. I'm trying to, to do my best. But in reality, our story is not different from that of Israel. Just as Israel rebelled and broke God's law, each and every one of us rebel and break God's law. So that just as Daniel was crying to God for mercy in his prayer, the only hope for you, the only hope for me, when we come Faced with God's law, it's for cry of mercy. It's to recognize, just as Paul writes in Romans, that for by, by the works of law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Because when you come before God's law, what it tells you is you cannot. You are a sinner. You have failed. You have rebelled. You have disobeyed. The only way when you come before God's law is if God has had mercy on you through Christ. There is no other way. You see, Daniel disobeys the law of the Medes. He keeps God's law because he's a true Israelite. See, he doesn't keep God's law in order to get into God's books. Because that's what many of you are trying to do. You're trying to walk your way to God. You're trying to, you know, you have a list. If I'm faithful to do this, if I do this. But you know that every single day you fail. You don't keep God's laws because you, you want to get into his good books. Rather, you keep his law, you're obedient to God because you are in his good books. So when you when you have that the other way around, you're missing it. Daniel obeys God's law in spite of the punishment because he is a true Israelite. So let me ask you, why do you keep God's law? Why do you attempt to keep God's law? Is it because you are walking your way, trying to walk your way to God? No, when you recognize your sinfulness and God's holiness, there is only one way. If God has mercy on you. Well, again, that gets Daniel the death sentence. He's caught praying. And these boys come, come before the king. Once again, like, what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They come with a half-truth. They say, you know, the king, Daniel pays no attention to you. 
The king knows that, knows that that is a lie. But yeah, he makes a petition to the true God and not to you, O king. But because the king knows who Daniel truly is, he tries his best to save him, but he fails. The king has no choice because he had signed a law that cannot be changed. He has no choice but to ask that Daniel be brought and be cast into the den of lions. And here, it seems to me that there is, there is an irony here in verse 16. Because what the king does is to pray for Daniel. He says, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. I don't know if the king assumes that he's above his own law, but, or maybe he just, I don't know. And from a human perspective, Daniel's fate was sealed. The den was locked, was closed, was sealed. That nothing would be changed about Daniel. I don't know if you've ever visited the zoo, but I visited the zoo once, and, well, the lion was very hungry. And he told us, well, this, the lions are usually fed just on Sundays with the goats. And we should, you know, if we want to watch the lion eat, we should come back on Sunday. I know I'm not coming back. But you can imagine just being thrown into a den of lions. The fate is one. It's death. It's a death sentence. That was what Daniel got. And the king goes back troubled. There he's, he's fasting and sleepless. He avoids any music or entertainment. No food, no sleep, no fun, nothing for him, no joy for the king that night. The king is in total, complete darkness. This is the king in his palace who should be enjoying life. And you can contrast that with Daniel's condition. He is in a den of lions where he should be in pain, agony, and death. But it's actually different. Because as the king rushes to, to the place in the morning, what he discovers is that Daniel is still very much alive. The king was in complete darkness. Whereas Daniel was in communion with an angel at night. And that the law of those people had no power on Daniel because he had trusted in God. You see, a God, the living God, is able to deliver from death 
those who put their trust in him. And we read through Hebrews chapter 11, and there it, it, it mentions Daniel and his friends, not directly by name. But what happened to them? That by faith, they shut the mouths of lions and quenched the power of the flames. And Daniel had trusted in God. And had disobeyed the law of the land. And God had delivered him. And then the opposite is what happens to Daniel's enemies and their families. The king commands that they be brought. And they be brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reach the bottom of the den, the lions overpower them. So it's at this point that I want to pause and say something to us. Because ultimately, The Bible is first a book, not about us, not about Daniel, but about Jesus. And this is where I want to bring back the the subject of, of hope to us. Because you see, just as the satraps had conspired against Daniel, the chief priests and the elders, they conspired to arrest Jesus. Just as they found no corruption in Daniel, those who accused Jesus found no basis for the accusations. Daniel was found guilty of disobeying the law of the Medes and Persians. Jesus was found guilty of disobeying the law of the Jews. The king, Darius, unsuccessfully tried to save Daniel. Pilate tried unsuccessfully to save Jesus. Daniel trusted in God, yet was given the death sentence. Jesus trusted in his father, yet he was crucified. Daniel descended into the pit. Similarly, Jesus was laid in a tomb. Daniel's grave, in a sense, was was covered with a stone and sealed. Jesus' tomb was also covered with a stone and sealed. The king found Daniel alive early in the next morning. very early on the first day of the week. What happened? When the women went to the tomb, they found that Jesus had been risen, or had risen. 
But you see, there's a, there's a difference. Because Jesus is much greater than Daniel. Daniel didn't die. God preserved his life in that day. But Jesus actually died. And he was raised. You see, that is where our hope lies. Not in Daniel, but in Jesus. First, our hope lies in Jesus because he is the one who fulfilled God's law. Daniel had enemies. He faced oppositions. Jesus had enemies. And the greater enemy was the devil. Jesus faced death. And Jesus conquered death. See, who has power over sin and the Lord that convicts you of it? It's Jesus. Who has defeated and will crush the enemy, the devil? It is Jesus. Who went through the darkness of death and conquered it? It is Jesus. So we are encouraged to trust in God and remain faithful to him. Because Jesus has won. Yes, Daniel's story might be so familiar and interesting to us. And he can teach us so many things. But it has to point us to Christ. You see, the world around us tries its very best to ignore the reality of death. Okay? We do so many things to ignore it. But someday, everyone has to contend with it. And the Bible tells us that someone has won. And in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that, that great passage about the resurrection, Paul writes, death is swallowed up in victory. And he says, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Daniel was faithful through all these years, and even when he faced death, because he trusted in God. 
You can go through all life's challenges and struggles. An apparent death, even when it means disobeying the law of the land. Because you know that that is not the end of you. Christ has won. And it's either true or false. It's either that Christ rose from the dead or he didn't. And he did. And because he did, we have every reason to trust in him. So Christianity is not a philosophy or idea for you to grapple with. It has Christ at the center. And here, the king passes a decree that all the nations should worship, or all the people should tremble before the God of Daniel. But in reality, no one can cause you to worship God through a decree. You have to see him for yourself. You have to know him for yourself. You have to come and trust him for yourself. You have to say, this is where my hope lies, in this God and in no one else. Because he is the living God. It is he who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. It is he who raised Christ. And it is he who sustains us today and evermore. And in that last verse, it says, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. You see, Daniel's hope was that someday, just as God had promised through the prophets, that Jerusalem would be restored. And his prayer was answered during the reign of Cyrus, the Persian, because he was the one who gave the order that the Jews could return and rebuild the temple. Once again, what God had spoken came to pass. See, I, I, I don't know what, what you are holding on to or where your hope lies this day. It's because someday, someday you are really going to be in a place where every single thing had failed. You're hopeless. But truly, as the Bible says, those who are with God are not without hope in this world. There was hope for Daniel and his, and his fellow Israelites in their day. There is hope for us today because of Christ. Amen.